Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming tonight. We're talking about the clarity of Scripture tonight. And uh, I don't know about you, but the more I read it, the more I got into it. Like I assumed initially that it would be, oh, this is boring chapter. Like it's, I, I got this nailed and then I, then I had to read it like three times. And every time I read it, I, it went deeper and more questions came to my mind. So it is a worthy doctrine to study. Uh, would someone open us up in a, in a word of prayer tonight, please? Yeah. Father, we thank you for your word, for how you've uh, provided it for us. and just ask that we would show the respect that it deserves and, and the attention. And just thank you for how you have communicated to us through it. I ask that this evening that we would uh, have a good discussion of, of the whole idea of clarity of Scripture and that we would be able to apply it in the, the way we lead, uh, live and the way we treat your work. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you very much. Uh, this doctrine is, uh, it can't, I think it's a flyover doctrine for a lot of people not interested in it because until, until they feel the need to examine it, you know, uh, until they come to a Bible text that they feel is very unclear until they, they try to study something and, or, or they get in conflict for, with people with differing opinions about interpretation. Uh, it, it doesn't become a relevant topic or doctrine until you face an issue that, you struggle with some or, or you have a hard time with. Good evening. Welcome. Yeah, uh, we uh, the, 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 the way that Grudem des- describes it is we believe that the Bible is written in such a way to be understood. Uh, can somebody, maybe a few people, share a time when you've struggled to understand a passage of Scripture, like, like something meaningful to you that you really wanted to get, or maybe it was just in a, a study that was frustrating? What steps did you take to gain understanding? And if you finally arrived at understanding, what was the breakthrough? <laughs> yeah, Jeanette. Romans. Yeah. <laughs> Predestination. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough one. I'm still not entirely clear on it. I'm still studying. You know, yeah. And that's one of the things that... He mentioned in here is that it's an ongoing, lifelong thing. So. Uh-huh. Was is there a particular part of Romans that's that's really uh, you're stuck on, or yeah, the predestination? I think it's chapter nine. Uh huh. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the one. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Chapter nine through eleven is yes. a really uh, yeah. a, a challenging portion of scripture, yeah. and and that that is a uh, one that almost rises to the level of paradox. So we talked about before the the, the predestination and, and free will kind of mentality, but uh, yeah. How about somebody else? A, a, a part of scripture, or maybe you st- tried to study scripture one time and you got really frustrated because you you couldn't un- you didn't feel like you could understand it. Anybody else run hit that? I yeah, Nancy. Um, in Genesis, it appears at one point that there were more than one creation. Oh. And, um, you know, because it's like, 
there's a couple, it seems like there's a couple of creations, and I, somebody brought it to my attention, and I was like trying to explain it to them, and I'm, I didn't do a very good job, I'm afraid. Um, and then I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> then you got really confused. Yeah. Yeah, so the Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, some people see two creation accounts and not a harmonized account. So, yeah, did it ever get clarified for those? So easy. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear that. We. How, anybody else? I guess Lynette? Just when I was younger, probably high school, is the idea that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Oh, yeah. And that one just, you know, it was, and it was more just letting it just sit there and growing into the idea that, oh, well. God knew what Pharaoh's heart was anyway, and just working my way around that too. Thank you. That's an easy one, just as a to take. Wait a minute. Why is God doing that? Yeah, yeah. How? Yeah. He, if he wants to be known, he wants to be loved and worshipped. Why? Why would he harden someone's heart? All those related questions. But then, at some point, he's going to do that. Right. Well, yeah. There, and so, what what, is, what does it mean that he hardens hearts? It's a it's a great question, right? Mm -hmm. It's it gives them over to what's in their heart. Yeah. yeah. He already knows that. So that that's that's a doc, that's something that comes up Old Testament, New Testament. Mm -hmm. Certainly, something that do we understand what it means? It, it's a hard thing to understand from our especially from our cultural viewpoint or vantage point when uh, everybody's equal and everybody should receive the same rights and everybody should get the same chance. It's, you know, all those questions that we come with that, at it with, from our vantage point today. So really, really good. Yeah. Did, did anybody ever, uh, and so for you, the breakthrough, it just was letting it po ponder it. And as you're growing in your faith and you're developing your faith, you're waiting for an answer. Yeah. Just, no, yeah. I mean, I wasn't kind of, oh, why? It didn't drive you crazy, but it sat there for a while, and yeah. Does anybody have an experience of a real breakthrough time when you're studying Scripture and you're frustrated for a long time, and then you had an aha moment, like it, oh, understanding? Anybody remember a time like that in your journey? Yeah. I don't want to talk too much. <laughs> you're fine, Jeanette, please. Um, again, in Romans, though, where it says, uh, saved by grace. And that, to me, was really huge hmm. and, and wonderful. <laughs> so. it, it, came, you, it made sense in your life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was that something that you had to study through, or was it just a... Uh, no, it wasn't... Preacher almost, told you, or a book, well, or... Well, it was when I was, while I was reading... The Bible, you know, I was, I, um, I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm just a rotten sinner, lousy rotten sinner, <laughs> you know, right? And all that, like everybody else, and uh, um, it just came to me that, like, I don't have to worry about that. I just don't have to worry. Jesus did it. Amen. And it was, it was almost instantaneous when I was reading that through that. Praise God. So yeah, that was great. Thank you. I think of the verse that God gives the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the meaning of the word revelation, the unveiling of, the showing of something and 
I see things constantly, and I can't say daily, but hopefully almost daily in, in, um, in my studies, and you know, I'm spending more time studying, and just like, wow, God, reveal to me the deeper truths of your word. Hmm. And something that just two days ago came a verse that came to my mind that, that I that I saw that I pondered and I struggled with. It's Exodus six three. It said, "I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. I did not appear to him as Lord, them as Lord." So God speaking to Moses, give or take, I guess five hundred years later. I mean, after four hundred. 30 years in captivity uh, of Egypt, and, they, and he's speaking to Moses, and as I've not completely exhausted my studies on this, I'm, I'm thinking he's having to, because of the Israelites, this, in the context of, he, it's, it's right before the plagues of Egypt, and oh, possibly right now. No, it's right before the plagues of Egypt, the bricks without straw, and the Egyptians are oppressed, and God's saying that I'm having to show them more so they can understand who I am. Mm -hmm. as the, as I'm, I think that's where this is going. And I, and I'm <laughs> processing this. I'm reading a little bit of commentary on this. Yeah, you're having fun. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. But yeah. it's, just a, it's just one little verse that's like, I appear to them as God Almighty, but not as Yahweh, not as the Lord yet. Huh. And just, huh, just uh, God, show me. Show me what you mean by that. And, yeah. Uh, so. Well, e excellent. The, uh, I, I love that spirit of being in the Word regularly and asking, those, asking God for His revelation, His unveiling of truth, and so you can understand it, so you can worship Him better and glorify Him. And that, that's the spirit that we want as a church. And I think Grudem did a wonderful job of including the guidance of the Holy Spirit through this chapter. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely necessary, isn't it, to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Spiritually discernible. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's our... One of our entertainment moments. <laughs> yeah, there she is. <laughs> well, uh, uh, in Groom's opinion, who, who is expected to understand Scripture? Everyone. E even me? Right? E even you? Man, what's he thinking? I can't understand Scripture. It's for the professionals. Right. Um, what? When people say they can't understand scripture, I've always wondered if that's the hardening of the heart. Oh, yeah, part of it, right? Yeah, yeah there, there might be, depending on the person's journey and their, their, if, they're, if they haven't repented, if they're, they're over time, they've, they've said no to God again and again and again and rebelled against God again and again and again and haven't followed through and applying the word. Certainly that, that hardness of heart comes. And so maybe there comes a point where they just, it's so hard to understand. They, they, the Holy Spirit isn't working uh, in, in unveiling things and revealing things because they've rejected Him so much. And yeah, sure, that that could be part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. 
so we pray for those people that the grace of God would come upon them and they'd have a repentant heart and a turn and they would cry out for God, to God for understanding and yeah, for sure. Any unconfessed sin in our life is, is I can't think of a word, but it's, it's blocking that communion. Mm-hmm. And when we are living in un- habitual, unrepentant sin, we're not going to be able to be in that right communion with the Holy God. For sure. And we're not going to be able to understand His Word the same. It's going to be a hindrance. It's going to be a barrier. Yeah, let alone giving the devil a foothold in our life. Yeah, so, amen. Um, so on page 120, why won't we always be able to understand perfectly or completely? What was Grudem's thoughts there? Maybe you can add some of your own. Um, yeah, please. Page 120, the third paragraph from the bottom. Yeah. It says... Um, the clarity of Scripture guarantees that it's capable of being understood rightly, not that all believers will understand it rightly. So my question is, if the Holy Spirit helps us understand, then is it because of our sin that we may not get it? But everyone sins, so how can Grudem say that some will get it and others won't? I see how this can apply to some more difficult passages, Mm-hmm. But Grudem seems to imply it's true for all Scripture. I think there's situations in Scripture where um, you're challenged with a particular truth, and if you're really resistant to that truth, um, you know it, it becomes a way you're trying to squirrel around to find an alternative. Like the rich young ruler that said, you know, how, what are you commanded to do? And he, he recited all the proper things. He said, yeah, but... Sell all you have. And, oh no, I'm not willing to do that. You know? Yeah, I want the truth, but not that. Not that truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we can be selective in what we choose to really follow. Yeah. So that might be part of the answer. Our, our selective nature. It's. He's not saying it's maybe a, a a blanket for everybody. Everyone's a little bit different and no, no, come no. with different motives and agendas. Art. Yeah. The part of that is just your maturity. Maturity. You know, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I found that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our, our, our stubborn hearts or our, our unwillingness to go certain places and then just our the maturity level would play into some of that too. Like we're just not capable at some point in our life to, I think that was uh, along those lines. I love that, that scripture, Hebrews 5.14. Uh, can, we, can somebody read that for us please? Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's such a, a, a great verse. Solid food is for the mature. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that there's a sense that some of the baby Christians, mm-hmm. that they, how can they, uh, the, the mature have got it because they've trained by constant practice to discern. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a process over time of, of getting there to, now the Holy Spirit can reveal 
something like that to the baby Christian. But there's a lot of things that we just aren't prepared for until we've lived the Christian life some, uh, been in the church some, been around in the culture some. Um, yeah. And another source of disagreement that can come from interpreting Scripture or seeing Scripture is people blending tradition, especially denominational tradition. Excellent. Christian. And I think, Tina, you've talked about that some, growing up Catholic and then trying to enter the Protestant world. Just how difficult that is to, the tradition said this, mm -hmm. and the word says this, and my family says this, and <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's excellent too, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's God's word. If I understood it perfectly and completely, would I be God? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's unpack that some. That's a great point. It's God's word. If I understood it completely, where would that put me? Right. Yeah, and he made the point that uh, we're probably going to keep learning for, for eternity. Right. Yes. And, and why is that? Because there's it's living and active. Well, it's living and active, right. but what, what, does that per, what does that speak to about God? If we're going to be learning for eternity, it means He is eternal, eternal infinite. He's with, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, that's exciting to think about. We're never going to stop learning. So you might as well just stop now. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just wait for until you, get, until you get a real teacher in heaven. You'll, Jesus will be the teacher. That, why? Why? Yeah, just go home and play your video games. And yeah, no, <laughs> that's boring. That's boring. Yeah. And, and heaven, you'll be embarrassed that you never read Habakkuk. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better not run into Habakkuk. <laughs> How'd you like my book? Oh. <laughs> that was great. Oh, and by the way, sir, I don't have any more books. Oh, that's okay. So, if you, yeah, I, I, we can tell you what, what, what one to order or... Uh, but if, you, if you're interested in continuing, but uh, so sorry about that tonight. I don't have any with me. Yeah, I've, I've had a busy schedule, so this is my first night to me. <laughs> no problem. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, glad you're here. Uh, I sent out an email. And, and do, do we have your email on at the, at the church? Okay, good. Thank you. Okay. Um, so that, 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 that paragraph you read, read uh, Jeanette, the clarity of Scripture is a doctrine about its understandability, not about how various people actually understand it. So he's not saying that everybody's going to understand it equally, because everybody's in a different tradition, a different history, a different level of maturity, different state of rebellion or non-rebellion. I think that's what he's getting at. So the doctrine is saying Scripture is understandable, but not everyone's going to understand it at the same level of clarity for various reasons. Okay. Yeah, great question, great question. Um, why, why, yeah, is any, anything else on that question? Why won't we always be able to understand perfectly or completely? What, I, I think we talked about it, sin <laughs> in our life, levels of maturity. What, what, what other way? Traditions, uh, and yeah, church traditions, cultural traditions, maybe some of the bias in our culture, anti-supernaturalism, uh, you know, the, the, the enlightenment kind of reason is the only thing there is. That's, that gets in the way. Um, yeah. Well, hard for me was, <clears throat> like, for me, like, when I moved out here, and um, first, when I first started coming out, you know, uh, my brother had passed away and stuff, and there was a lot of 
strife and conflict in my family and stuff still to this day, but my personal relationship with God made a difference in my understanding of the scripture. Amen. And he's unveiled a lot to me just because my, my, what's the word, like being so submissive and open, hold hard to the spirit. And, you know, I always use the expression, I pick up my cross daily with him, knowing that, you know, we always know where to give him our problems. But after everything I had went through, he showed me things that I had never seen before and clarified stuff that just never made sense. And I realized that relationship and the importance of it. And there was nothing I was going to do from then on out that would ever break that again. So where you, you know, learn to turn from those sins because you learn culture and you, you rebel because of stress and family and stuff. Where I learned that at this point he showed me nothing is greater than that relationship. Because at that point, all the wants I've wanted and needed, he gives just because I carry that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful unveiling that you can't get, no matter how many books you can open or how many videos you can watch. Because the words he gives me, the visuals aren't even explainable. Mm -hmm. And that, that's been like my fire that stays. It's like, I never, I always had that. I don't understand. How is it that everybody can understand and, you know, being from different yeah. religions and, and, you know, the Christ, you know, Catholics believe in praying to the saints. And it, the, the biggest thing there is, is the spirit of God is in you now. Yeah. And, and you've, you've matured some and, and the, the spirit is, is, is working in your life where maybe he wasn't before. Yeah, I have, yeah. The, the allowance of it is, yeah, there's no pushback. And when you do that, yeah. the unveiling is definitely gives you understanding like you don't. Amen. Amen. And so uh, Grudem is big. Uh, in the previous version of this book, he spent a lot more time talking about how unbelievers are really challenged to understand Scripture. He doesn't even go there hardly in this chapter. He's, he's talking about believers. You know, he, he doesn't even spend a lot of time talking about unbelievers and their difficulty understanding. He, he's talking about the levels of understanding with believers. So praise God. The Spirit of God is in our midst. Praise God. God is working to mature us and change us and transform us and grow us into mature people. What a gift of grace the Holy Spirit is in our life. Yeah. His ministry to us. It's wonderful. Um, What's the relationship between the clarity of Scripture and God holding us morally accountable for obeying His Word? <laughs> now, that's, that's interesting. So the, the clarity of Scripture, it, let, let's say it a different way. If, if Scripture was unclear, uh, could God hold us accountable? Yes. <laughs> he, and and he, he holds every person on the earth accountable. He will, right? The unbelievers are going to be judges like the, you know, but we've already gone through the judgment as believers. So saying it the first way, what's the relationship between the clarity of Scripture and God holding us morally accountable for obeying His Word? What's the connection? The more we are 
the more we know, the more we're accountable for, to him, to those much, how, what is that verse, to those much is given? Much is expected, expected something like that. Yeah, there's different. That, but you're getting, yeah. The more we know, the more we're held accountable. Yeah, so yeah, that, it's getting there, yeah. For sure, that, that Grudem really wants us to get this. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason, the, clar the clarity of Scripture is really important because it means what? We can evangelize. We can evangelize. We can do a lot of things. We 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 were capable of, of sharing the gospel with teaching. confidence because we believe that the the Bible is teaching something. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, but but what's the connection like? It, God God is going to hold us accountable. Because Scripture is clear, what, what is that shows that God is loving? Well, God, he's, he's showing us what He wants us to do, and He is it very clear through the Holy Spirit. He is, and that's an act of love, I think. Well, it is an act of love, but I think you you, you got it. Just it's a slightly different thing. If if Scripture wasn't clear, God couldn't say, "I told you to do this." Uh, I, I, I commanded you to do this. I, I asked you to love people. I told, you know, if, if we have this understanding that, that the Bible is unclear in its teachings, like you give your, give your kids directions. Uh, I want you to do, like, you're, gonna, you're homesick today, here's your chore list. And if, if the chore list is just terribly unclear, the kid could come, could come back and say, I couldn't understand a word of it. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Take the dog for a walk. Uh, maybe, maybe you put it in Spanish or something, <laughs> the command. Uh, I, see where he's going with that? Like, he, he's saying that because Scripture is so clear, we're accountable to do what God has said, which is a little bit scary, but true. It's like employers that have job descriptions. Yeah. Yeah, if, it, if they're terrible dis job descriptions that nobody can make sense of, what, what does the employer expect? But if God's word is, is clear, it's understandable, it makes sense, then we are accountable to it, and, and there is no excuses. And, and again, that's a little bit scary if we haven't read Habakkuk. <laughs> or, or if we've only read one book of the Bible our whole life. I gave you the list, you know, why aren't you reading it? Uh, and that's not a grace statement, but you know what I mean. It's at the same time he has revealed to us from cover to cover who he is. Yeah. And his perfectness and his other than us, other than human. Um, in I mean in the broader sense, I guess you'd say, but he he is other than. He is to be held at high esteem. He is to be exalted. He is to be He's revealed so much about himself. Which is love we and grace. see that in the scripture, we, we need to, to line ourselves up with who he is. Amen. <laughs> and that brings accountability sure does. as well. Sure does. It brings uh, the idea of because of who he is, is, is who we are. We are different than, or he is different than us. And we, we have to line ourselves up with that. Yeah, the, the implication is God has revealed himself in a very clear way. Mm 
-hmm. and, and the implication is is that is that we we can know God as the believers through Jesus Christ by the by the Holy Spirit. What what a wonderful thing that He's He's revealed the the Bible so clear in so many places. When we get to the doctrine of God, the character of God, I mean, wow, God's like that. God's God's like that. How how wonderful our God is. How glorious He is. What what a gift Scripture is. And so the clarity of Scripture pertains to so many areas. But I, I just picked out that one. Um, the the, the it, we're morally accountable for obeying His word because His word is clear. His word is understandable. If it wasn't, you know, we wouldn't be so, it wouldn't be right that we, I, I think uh, it wouldn't be as easy to say we're accountable. Yeah, Sarah. I was just going to add too, is when we're living in a sinful life before we give our lives to God, I think also we don't think about the consequences, but when we give our life over to God, like that accountability and the like, um, our self-conscious gets like if you like even think about going back to it's like it's like God is like the Holy Spirit's there telling you mm -mm, that you don't you don't go back there again. Oh, and how what a gift of grace that is yes. to keep us yes. from that old life. Mm -hmm. That's right. Man, that's love, as Jeanette was saying, and grace, and man. I mean, in that same respect, I mean God's word is. Truth. Yes. So, of course, we're going to be. I mean, it's true, complete. Complete. You know, and so yeah, we'll be held morally, <laughs> you know, accountable to it. Yeah. That, For sure. That, that's been a big deal to me to understand that His word is truth. And yeah, and and that. So these the previous chapter was authority. Mm -hmm. the tr tr the, what God's word is true, and this is clarity. So they go together. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Man, it's true and it's clear. We don't have excuse. <laughs> yeah, it's without error. And, and it's clear. Yeah. Aren't we still held accountable for even when we don't know? Yeah. Can, can you think of a Bible verse? Can someone think of a Bible verse of... Sitting right here reading it. In Romans, you know, you talk about yeah. Romans 1, 19. Right. What can be known about God is plain to them because right. God has shown it yes. to them. Yeah. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So it's saying the world. Because you know? I've heard that even so, like people who have never heard yeah. his name should know who yeah. they are held accountable. Excellent. And so uh, the, the, the theological description of that is there's general revelation. Right. The star's uh, life proclaims God's glory. You can look at a cell. You can look at the, 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 farther, you know, the galaxies and you can see the glory of God. And we are without excuse. Right. Right. Yeah. Specific revelation. Specific or revelation. special revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 uh, yeah. Praise God that He's given us both. He's not. We 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 could we could uh, like like uh, somebody like the question is somebody in the deepest darkest forest of Colorado <laughs> that's never heard the gospel or the deepest darkest for jungle in in Africa or whatever. You know, they've never heard of Jesus Christ. Uh, are, are they? Do they get off scot-free uh, as sinners? No, because there is creation. And it should, as they, and the idea is, 
if they're crying out to God, God in his grace, this, this, is, this is assumed that God, if someone is really seeking after him, he's going to give them more light, more grace. Uh, that, that, that's been my assumption. Now, I, I, the, the Bible verses to prove that, it, they're a little bit shaky, but I, I've always felt that way, that God in his goodness is somebody's, you know, but without, without God's working in someone's life, there's the other side of it. <laughs> How much can they seek? That's one of the questions when we get to, to grace and predestination and free will, that kind of thing. But I, I think, great, great question, Tina. We're born with him, are, I mean, like, isn't, I mean, we're born of him. Well, we're, we're made in the image of God. So we're we know him from birth. Well, no, because of sin, right? Sin, yeah, yeah we, we, we don't know him. We're rebels, and uh, but we've got we got these consciences that are crying out to us that we have sinned. You know, we, we're doing something wrong. So it's it's a fascinating yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a con- yeah. fascinating Like your 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 always... your baby's grown up when they're six months old. You little little sinner. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably never said that, but or maybe you did. I don't know. <laughs> Seek me, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. Oh, there you go. That's a good verse. Yeah. I think that that's that might support the best that. one that I could, what you were saying a minute ago. Thank that's you. That's what I can think of. Yeah. I can't think of where that's at. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. Yeah, it's in Isaiah somewhere, for sure. Maybe, yellow, maybe 45? Somewhere there, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that, thank you for that, that question. Um. But I have a question yeah, please. concerning that, too. Um, so, somebody's deep dark in the forest of British Columbia, which right. is untouched, right? Right, right, right. And they haven't heard of Jesus, they haven't heard of the Bible, they don't know. Or in New Guinea, I know people that were missionaries there, and um, they hadn't heard. Those people, though, knew in their heart that there was something bigger than them just looking at creation, but they were offering sacrifices to whatever their concept of God was. Now, does that mean they're condemned for idol worship? Well, they're no. condemned for their sins. Of they, they, course. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, right, you know, the, the, the religions, that's, that's the, uh, the theory of why there's religions, is that we are born in the sense of created for God, created to know God, created to love God, but in our sin we've rebelled and we've, we're, we've, we're not walking with God, and so why are there 300,000 religions in the world or whatever? Because we, we are naturally makers of, or worshipers of God, even though we can't, haven't found Him yet. So, right. so yeah, we're, we're, we're condemned because of our, our sin, you know, and one of the outplays of that is, is idol worship. Yeah. You know? But if they don't know any better, I mean, they think that that's God. Jeremiah. Uh, well, yeah, so that, that's, uh, that, that, that's the fairness question. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that fairness question. Uh, is, is God wrong in condemning um, people who've never heard the name of Jesus. I, I, there's scary statistics out there that, that they say that there's even today there's a billion people in you know uh, in some parts of the, in the world that have never heard the name Jesus Christ. I don't know if that's true or not, but I keep hearing that. You know that's the failure of the church to take the gospel to the lost people, and, and so that that's a big question. And it really convicts me because it's like I don't want to see those people go to hell. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see anybody go to hell, but 
Yeah, well, uh, once when we get to the doctrine of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, we'll definitely hit that. That's a great question. My understanding there's 3.6 billion people that do not have a Bible in their native language, in their heart language, the language they grew up with. And that's something that I learned at this conference that I went to in January. Um, And they're striving to get those people groups, the scripture in their own language. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk to you later about what organization that is. It's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think about the verse two. He has set eternity in the heart, in the human heart. Ecclesiastes three eleven. Good job. <laughs> God, God has set eternity. So humans, maybe they, maybe they worship idols because they're looking for something. Right. They There's are an emptiness yeah. in all exactly. humanity that only God can fill. That God shared yeah. mm-hmm. There, there was a, a neat section, a neat passage, a paragraph on page one thirty two. And I thought it was a great summary of, of the chapter um, under conclusion. I don't want to jump far, too far ahead, but I think it was, it's a nice way to summarize a, a lot of this stuff. Under letter G, page Perspicuity. one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perspicuity. Yeah. <laughs> now you can name your cat that or something. <laughs> the, the clarity of Scripture is no minor doctrine. It provides the basis for giving us the Bible in our own language. Uh, it provides the basis of thinking we can read the Bible and understand it. Um, why does the clarity of, of Scripture give us the basis of having a Bible in our own language? I'm probably saying it a harder way than it needs to be said, but he's making a claim there that the clarity of Scripture provides the basis for giving us the Bible in our own language. What, what is that? What is the basis? communicating God's word to people where they can appreciate it and understand it. Yeah. If, if the Bible wasn't clear, why would we translate the Bible? Mm-hmm. Why would we take it to the people that don't have a Bible? Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the basis, it's not a minor doctrine to talk about. If, if, it, if, if the Bible isn't understandable, don't waste your time translating the Bible. Don't waste your time giving them a, a Bible translation. If they can't read it or understand it, Right, so it's 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 a big deal that we that we I mean that's why we millions and billions of dollars have been poured into Bible translations. Mm-hmm. It, it okay, so the clarity of Scripture provides the basis for thinking we can read the Bible and understand it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, what what would be if we thought the Bible was unclear? Would we waste our time reading the Bible or spend our time reading the Bible? No, we wouldn't. Would, would we? I mean, isn't that why they, you know, from the Catholic Church, they fought to get yes. it translated? Yeah, languages that's right. So that everybody could understand what was going on. If I didn't think the Bible is clear, I'm just going to let the priest tell me. Tell me right. and just let the church tell me. Right. Mm-hmm. But Jillions of people still think that. Think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a major doctrine saying you can understand the Bible. You don't need to go through a priest. Right. To hear God's word, it's a big deal. It provides the basis for thinking. We we even have a gospel message to proclaim. I think that's what we were getting at earlier. Um, it, 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 what, do we know? How do we know what the gospel is? If it was unclear, why would we try to share it? Right. It was, but we have God's clear word in the Bible. What 
he has the good news, he has a gospel message, and, and since it's understandable, we can proclaim it. So, you know, he just kind of runs down, runs down that path to why, why this doctrine is important. Um, it provides the basis, the clarity of Scripture provides the basis for thinking we can know what God wants us to believe and how he wants us to live. Oh, you can't know what God wants. Yes, we can, because the Bible is clear. You can't know what God wants you to, to, to do in life. You've got to make it up as you go. No, the Bible clearly shows us what man should do, what woman should do. Right? So just running down that path, there's so many implications of this, of this doctrine. I wanted to point that out. also that he, he admitted that there was words like Selah mm-hmm. that were not fully understood, but we have enough, we have enough information from the words before the word Selah and the words after the word Selah that we're without excuse. And I, I think it's really neat that he's, he brings out those things. I think it's neat that he brings out that there may be mistakes, minor mistakes, in translation from the original, but we still have enough. We still, I just like, wow, I never thought about some of these things. Without excuse, yeah. Without excuse, yeah. And then when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and they compared them to what we have, it was almost exact. Oh, I I wanted to tell you guys a story. Just uh, this stuff really matters. Last week we talked about inerrancy of Scripture, and the previous week we talked about authority of Scripture. I went and visited a couple, and and while we were talking, uh, we we had about a three and a half hour uh, sit down over dinner and stuff. And, and and one of the one of the one of the members of the couple, I don't want to give away who they are. <laughs> he he uh, okay, I just said he. <clears throat> um, uh, he he asked if if you know why why do I believe the Bible is reliable. And, and I was able to recite some of the things that, you know, I was like, yeah, I got an answer. Yeah. You know? So it was a lot of fun. So b- believe me, these are relevant questions oh, yeah. and sharing with people. So I, I wanted to bring that testimony. It was like, I did the reading and I, I was able to apply it. <laughs> and he, and he's, he was satisfied with, uh, with, my, with my explanation. So thank you, Mr. Grudem. Yeah. Uh, so good, yeah, I agree with you, Dave. He does a great job of making it understandable and relevant, and, and uh, yeah. He's not trying to brush over anything. Yeah. He's, he's very clear on the things that we do understand, the things that we don't understand, but we have enough. Yeah, amen. So uh, uh, the, the next little, and, and boy, I don't want to get too far down the road. Was there, was there anything that you wanted to talk about tonight in this, this, this chapter? Anything that you thought was really important to bring out before I continue with the outline? You know, I think he gives you the freedom to take the scripture wherever you are, at what point, at, you know, the maturity level. And also the fact that he talked about deep, deeper understandings of people that have gone to seminary and, you know, and, yeah. and yet he let it be open enough that just a, quote, regular person like you say, can you still get something out of it? Amen. Mm-hmm. The place for commentary, the place for scholars, yeah. the place for pastors, the place for lay people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, along those lines, I, at the end of the uh, at the end of this outline, I put. Uh, well, let's see. I just. Oh, on the top of, of page four, the the last page, 
in your outline um, under exegesis. Have you ever heard a sermon, the, the third little section down there, have you ever heard a sermon under exegesis where the preacher opens up the meaning of the text by giving historical background? Uh, does, does this mean that only the experts can understand Scripture? What was Grudem's thought there? I think it was just like what Dave just said, you know, that we all can understand it, but it really, really helps to have a pastor or someone else, commentary, excuse me, or something like that, explain a little bit more because they understood Greek or Hebrew or Latin or whatever, or history, um, or the culture at the time. Um, like, you were explaining something in during church, one of your sermons, just a about the culture of the time. It was either this past week or the week before, I think. And um, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. It was the culture. Jesus went, we were talking about going to the bar and witnessing and where Jesus went yeah. in yeah. the culture where yes. he went yes. to witness. He went to the sinners. Yeah. <laughs> he went yeah. to the and so, the tax collectors. Like. So, so stuff like that, right? Uh, sometimes people think, I, I can't understand unless I get all the historical background and get all the historical details. But Grudem is saying you can still understand the gist of God's Word yes. without that. And we're accountable yep. to God's Word without so that. Some of that stuff's important for helping us understand and apply. Like maybe I understand that he went into a context like Levi's house that was off limits mm -hmm. according to the religious teachers. And maybe going for me going to a bar... <laughs> some of the wrestling match there, right? Uh, just trying to find some 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 similarities, but the 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 lesson was clear that Jesus was going after sinners. He was he was spending time with sinners. He was loving sinners, and we we can do that, you know. So it, some of that insight, it's not necessary to take God's word and apply it. Uh, he's got a good little uh, notation there in page one seventeen on, on number fifteen. Uh, on the bottom, um, again, sorry, sir. <laughs> Page 117, the, the footnote, number 15. Uh, he's talking about a book there where he says, the historical cultural context is necessary to understand rightly passages such as 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16, head coverings for women. <laughs> and then he talks about the Revelation 3, 15 through 16, hot, cold, and lukewarm water. He says, I agree that the historical cultural information he refers to does make our understanding of these passages much more precise and detailed, which they do. But I also recall that before I was aware of any such information, I still understood the general sense of 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16 to indicate that there should be some differences between men and women in the way they dress in church, and that head, women's head coverings at the time must have indicated an acceptance of a God-ordained difference in the roles of men and women. That's, that, I, I love that little passage because it, it's just saying, it's obvious, I mean, we, we have a lot of questions in our head coverings, you know, in a, in a worship setting, and, and what does it mean today? But... The point is very clear to us that there's a difference between men and women there that Paul's trying to make. And so don't, it's, you don't need a priest to make God's word understandable. You don't need a commentary to, to, in terms of your, your call to obey it or to live it out. Some of those things are helpful, these ordinary means that he talks about, but God's word is clear. Uh, it's understandable. You might have to work 
work at it, but it's understandable, is the, the teaching of this, this doctrine. Any, any other things from your reading that questions came up, or what about this, or um, I had a question about that, or this made a lot of sense to me. Is that like meant for us to follow those ways today? Mm. Uh, great, great question. The Amish still do that. Yeah, the Mennonites, uh, yeah, Hutterites, uh, <laughs> the Amish, they still run down that path. I think the Eastern Orthodox, I, I think so. Well, maybe not. That's a different issue. And the uh, Sure, sure. Well, it, it's uh, it, that's that's a, a really uh, that, that's a that's a big question, Sandra. <laughs> that that uh, a great question because you're asking how is this is this is this relevant or important for us to follow today? And if it is a command, you know, about women wearing head coverings, why don't we do it? Right. Are, are we being stubborn, or or is there an interpretive issue here? that we can be justified in saying women shouldn't have head coverings, or women can have short hair and men can have long hair. So those, those are interpretive questions that are really important to talk about. Uh, and I think uh, along those lines, uh, just to just to <laughs> illustrate the issue, or, or the question, uh, there's some big, big $3 words that you need to pull out from this, this, uh, this chapter. The last page there, uh, exegesis and hermeneutics. Okay. And per perspicuity means clarity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I have a goldfish ever, I'm going to name it perspicuity. Um, you're clearly going to die. No. Exegesis, the uh, the process of interpreting a text of scripture. And so, uh, whenever. Uh, uh, People come to scripture, the, the, the big word is exegesis. We're trying to bring out the meaning of the text, but the rules for that is, is called hermeneutics. The exegesis is the process. The, the process of interpreting the text of scripture, that's Grudem's thing. Another, another definition I got was the process of accurate understanding. Okay, we got, we got to understand that text, 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16. So, so we, we got to study it in its literary context. How does it fit in with, with uh, the rest of the book of 1 Corinthians? Like, like one of the issues in that text is uh, she's covering her head in a place of worship, right? As opposed to a, a, a not in a place of worship. In, in the context, women can prophesy, okay, which means they speak God's word. Fascinating. So contextually, it, it's in a literary context, a historical cultural background. What did the pagans of the day, how did they view head coverings? Is it, is it just the Hebrews that, that viewed head coverings? As, is, is, is there a, some kind of a traditional uh, Hebrew understanding of, of a headship uh, issue 
that, that uh, a head covering uh, is a symbol of? And did, those, did that symbol transfer to Gentile arenas? Okay, like who's he talking to? There's so many questions there. But exegesis, so, so someone would say, well, you better study the literary context. You better study the background if you want to understand that text, these, these controversial texts. There's a historical background. There's a cultural background. And so, uh, boy, a whole book's been written on some of this stuff. Word meanings. What, is, what does head covering mean? What, what, is the, what, what does Paul have in mind for that word of head covering? Um, uh, gr grammatical relationships. <laughs> so the, the syntax uh, of a, of a uh, the, the way that uh, a sentence is arranged. Like in English, the way the sentence is arranged is very important, but maybe in other, other languages like Hebrew or Spanish, it's not as important. Maybe there's other, there's other uh, markers there that allow for understanding. So uh, in the genre of literature, the literary genre, uh, is this epistle, is it different than, than a prophetic word? Is it different than a historical word? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is it different from poetry? So that question is a deep one. And, and the, big, the big thing that Grudem is trying to get to us here is that there is a process of interpreting the text. And, and, and the hermeneutics, the other big word, the theories and principles about how it should be done. And, and I love this, this quote I, I pulled out from an old book that I have. Interpretation is neither an art nor a science. <laughs> and, and the idea is, the, the definition was hermeneutics is an art and a science of, of, of interpretation. And, but it's both a science and an art. No mechanical systems or rule will ever help you one understand correctly all the implications or nuances in the three words, I love you. What does it mean to say I love you, right? As spoken by a teenage girl to her boyfriend, it means something different probably than a husband to his wife of 25 years, maybe different than a mother to her child, and maybe it means something different than a teenage boy to his mint condition 54 Chevy. <laughs> I love you means different in every one of those contexts probably. So that's where the art comes in. This is where the art of interpretation comes Adults may think they... They understand the words cool or radical, but without knowing the codes of youth culture, they may be wide of the mark. Hermeneutics provides a strategy that will enable us to understand what an author or speaker intended to communicate. So, so uh, th that question about us approaching scripture, we know that there's a, in that text, just the plain meaning of it, there's some level of authority there. The, the head covering in the, in the culture of the day, it, it meant some submission. And, and, and so we, we know that there, there's some calling to, for the, the woman to be in submission to, to the man in some fashion. And that, the hard thing about that is to what extent did, did it just mean for that culture? And what, what does, it, does it mean something for the rest of the Christian, Christians throughout the world and all the different cultures at all times and all places? Was it a universal principle or is it just for that culture in that place in that time? Oh, such a such a deep question you asked, you know, and maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll use that as a class project, because uh, you all want to study that, right? <laughs> yeah, you just read the study notes in the bottom of the Bible. <laughs> 
Well, it does. There's some, there's some issues there. So I, I wanted to just point out the difficulty in expository preaching and just to bring these things together. Expository preaching is the communication of a biblical concept, so a biblical idea. So if I was going to preach on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 through 16, I'd want to come up with the biblical concept that's being taught. I'd want to come up with the main idea there. You know, and that, that's a real challenge sometimes. But I would, I would get it from deriving through a historical. So I'd ask the question, what's the, what's the historical setting um, that, in the cultural setting that, that Paul's writing from? He wrote to those readers first. I'm listening in as a secondary reader. But by, by God's grace, I, I, I'm responsible to it. What's the grammatical issues there? And what's the literary study of the passage in its context? Which the Holy Spirit first applies to the personality and experience of the preacher, then through the preacher applies it to his hearers. And, and my point in saying that is, um, our understanding of the Word, it comes through a study, but by the Holy Spirit's power, um, as I'm seeking, as I'm praying, as I'm repenting, as I'm, uh, uh, as I'm, I'm, I'm studying uh, and using all these different tools at my disposal, um, I... The word comes to me. This is how. This is one definition of expository preaching. I understand it, and then I bring it to you, <laughs> and then I try to apply it to you. And, it, and boy, I wish it was that 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 simple every week. There's some weeks I'm like, God, Lord God, is there anybody that's going to get anything out of this sermon at all? And, and and that's that's why I preach the Word of God, not my own opinions. Because I hope as I, as I speak about the Word of God to the congregation, that even if I'm not totally clear in the application or the meaning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people through His Word on an individual basis. But it helps to hear some of your background, too. It, like the other, when you were preaching on um, Jesus and the tax collectors, you were saying the tax collectors were treated like lepers yeah. at that time. And and how you had accidentally done that, I guess, too, I, you know, in right. your life. And I've done it in my life. You yes. Know? So. so God loves to work through people. Mm-hmm. We don't understand it, but he does. Mm-hmm. He does. He works through us. He wants us to spread the word, mm-hmm. to communicate the word. So really long answer. So is you is you? Oh, I, I don't. We don't have time to. I was going to ask, what was your basic takeaway from First Corinthians chapter eleven, verses two through sixteen? <laughs> well, 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 we'll wait on that one. <laughs> uh, so so in Grudem's uh, Grudem's. Uh, he wrote about the requirements for understanding Scripture. Weren't these practical? Starting at page one thirteen, I, I just loved how practical these were. Uh, 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 requirements for understanding Scripture rightly is under the heading number or letter B. And uh, time, well, give me some feedback on that one. What do you think about his, his thoughts about time? Yeah, Jeanette. I had a note where um, on page one fourteen, where it says even the apostles, the, sec- the first paragraph really, even the apostles gradually came to a fuller understanding of the application of Old Testament laws to Gentile believers, and it goes on. And and I think of the times that they didn't understand what Jesus was saying at all. 
because they hadn't fulfilled the scriptures yet. And even though they knew the scriptures, the Old Testament, they didn't understand what he was saying. It was almost like they still didn't quite get it that he was the Messiah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they needed needed time, uh, uh, really, uh, and not just a uh, time to grow, but for history to move forward. (laughs) There's different understandings that the Kronos time, as Don talked about, and Kairos time, the the difference there. Um, So, so, but in in our lives, time, what's his very practical teaching on understanding God's word? Growth and understanding is a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. It's a lifelong process. You got to put the time into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get solid food instead of milk, right? Yeah. The, the, the older you get, or the more that you're in the Word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The more we study it, the more we seek to apply it, the more we pray for God to, to, to help us understand it, the, the better our understanding is going to be. But uh, certainly, um, the, typically speaking, the, the Christian is, if a person has been a Christian for 30 years, if they've been seeking to grow and develop, they're going to be able to understand things much more than a one-year-old Christian is. They, they've, the time has been put into place. Um, really, a, a personal question there. Do I carve out time in, in my life to understand Scripture? How does my time in the Word compare to my time spent on the Internet or engaging with media? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Could be a lot better. Could be a lot better, <laughs> much right? better. And it, it, but it's 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 a challenge, you know. If you're not retired, and even if you are retired, you still got a lot of things going on, right? Um, but but it, it's it's really important. So that 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 those hard questions. I mean, people throw out those hard questions, and how much time have they put into studying those hard questions? You know, or do they default to what that denomination says or that denomination says? Have they studied the word themselves? takes effort. And that's the second one. I think the part of that is, you know, when you're talking about time, that time needs to be intentional. And, you know, you can have all kinds of excuses not to study the word of God, you know, and the enemy is always looking to get you not to do it. Yeah, what's so hard about reading the Bible? Why is it so hard sometimes? I think you just said it. We have an enemy who is very interested in us not reading the Bible. And, oh, you should clean your dishes. You should go through those tax returns from 1972. Yeah, right. You, should, you know, it's amazing the things that come up when, like, you want... I think about, I need a new pickup. <laughs> I need, no, I mean, because, or I need a bigger house. Right. In my, in my life, I currently work a lot less by choice so I can spend more time here. Mm. It's taken a long time and I'm blessed now to have time. But Dave, that's un-American. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's radical. It's yeah, un-American. It, is. it really is. But I am blessed to spend much more time in God's work yeah. today. Don't you and need it's, like... It's uh, because God set that up over time. Mm-hmm. Amen. And now... I get to spend time. Yes. Amen. But yeah. it, but it's also been some sacrifice to not have a new pickup, or not have a bigger house, or not have more debt, 
It's huge. To, to, it, it's taken a lot of years to make the choice to live contently where I'm at so I can spend time here. Excellent. May your tribe increase. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what does it mean to meditate on Scripture? Ruminate. <laughs> yeah. Chew on it. Chew on it. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad word to use meditation in Christianity. He quotes a couple Bible verses, but it's a different kind of meditation, of course. You're not losing yourself. You're not going into a trance or something. You're intentionally thinking about the Word and rolling it over, ruminating it, right? So there's, I just wanted to, if that word freaked you out in some of the scriptures, it, it doesn't mean we're a new, new age people or something like that. I think of meditation as a great bridge from Bible reading and study than meditation into prayer. Right. Amen. Prayer Amen. It's not easy for me. Um, but that, that's one place where I'm working right now. When I'm reading scripture and studying it, then I do try to meditate and see if I can't move into prayer that's based on what, I, what I've been meditating on. Amen. Amen. Cheryl, you're going to say? I think about it uh, when you make a stew. You know, you can make it up and then you let it simmer and and it tastes better the more time it has isn't that that's that's so good it's it's like just uh that the uh but but the pace of life and our our schedules same thing as dave just in a different how powerful is that if we did have take the time to let it simmer and, and Oh, age in our minds and then apply it in prayer and yeah. serving people and yeah. wow excellent the uh so that that's time um the putting forth effort and so he's kind of preaching at us he's saying are you putting in the time to understand are you putting forth effort <laughs> and the personal question do i expect the understanding of the bible to be easy what is my emotional response to the challenge of understanding god's word um, so a good, good point there that, that, he, that he's made. Uh, it's understandable, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Let's make sure we're not get, t- walking away. A pastor said it's easy to understand the Bible. Grudem said it's easy. No, there's stuff that's hard, just to, like to your point, Sandra, about that, that scripture. It's, boy, I mean, it's a little bit, I, I really... I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. There, there have been over over the journey of pastoring that I've avoided uh, studying certain scriptures because I'm not sure I want to deal with the implications. <laughs> like like that head covering one. Like like I I've I've always looked at it and I was like, well, that's interesting, but it's not really part of my life. And, and yet the whole counsel of God's word. I, and maybe maybe there's some times where I've been a little bit afraid of actually studying that out. Because what if I come to the conviction that uh, all women should wear head coverings? Would I have to get a new job? Would I have to, you know, <laughs> uh, all all these things, you know, go you through your mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, do we buy the head coverings? Yeah. Are they do they need to be cotton or do they need to be silk? Yeah. But yeah, so so uh it's it's not easy and and there are implications that are rather maybe be rather hard. So but it, it does take time and does take effort.
I think that's what Greedham wants us to get to. Uh, and uh, the, the, the next one, the use of ordinary means. What, were the, what does he mean by ordinary means? How, what are the ordinary means that we, we should use if we want to understand Scripture? Sermons, books, translations, yeah, understandable translations. Like if you if you've studied the King James and there's you're just, you're it's so hard to understand that you're just not getting it. Try some other translations that are closer to our vocabulary. Concordances. Yeah, concordances. Look up some words. You know. Like, uh, like, uh, where, uh, how many times is that, that word, that Greek word for head coverings used in, in the New Testament? You know, <laughs> studies, right? Uh, concordances. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. We live in such an amazing age. So many resources. Who makes that point when he's talking about? Catholics that pray for the dead, or is that the Mormons that pray for the dead? Mormons. He said that there's only one verse in the Bible that discusses that. I'm not sure there's more than one verse in the Bible that talks about women wearing a head covering. I grew up in the Mennonite church, and women all wore them when I was a child. They didn't by the time I was an adult anymore. But I don't recall, maybe maybe I missed it because I'm not female, but I don't ever recall hearing a sermon on it, and, and it was common practice. Yeah. And there's there's actually a few gals in at Living Water here that wear head coverings. Yeah, yeah. which you know it's. Well, the, the same scripture is talking about you should wear long hair. Exactly. For women, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and the men shouldn't have long hair. Yeah. So, so man, maybe I need to preach on this soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> now, his point was, and it's an Thanks, Sandra. <laughs> Divisions. Most of the divisions in the in the Protestant evangelical world are based on things that really aren't very important in the Bible. They don't come up very often, and and we certainly shouldn't have had divisions over that. Amen. In the, in the Mennonite Church, I'll pick on pick on them a little bit. Mennonites and Amish. You first, you couldn't um, you couldn't have any instruments, and then you could have a piano, and then you could have an organ, and and, mm-hmm. and for some, you couldn't drive a car. For others, you could have a car, but, but you had to paint your bumpers black. And, and it goes on and on. There were probably a hundred different branches of the Mennonite church based on uh, things like you know, wheels and automobiles and rubber tires and black bumpers and just nonsense, utter nonsense. But it's not too different in, in other denominations. No. Yeah, that's right, the Catholics. Um, when I was young, they I went to Catholic grade school and part of high school, and they always said only the priests get to interpret scripture. You do not get to read the Bible, mm-hmm. and you don't you just don't do it because of just exactly what Rudin was saying. Everybody just assumed it was too difficult to understand. But that's a huge now, issue. That was the Protestant Reformation. But, now, yes. but yes. now that's changed, I've heard, somewhat. It has. And also, they used to only speak uh, Latin Mass. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now they gradually, you know, as I became older, um, almost ancient, you would say, um, <laughs> 
Now they speak in English and they don't do all the Latin masses anymore and the head coverings, they don't make women do that anymore because they used to do. So that changed too. Other denominations, as you were saying, you know, the Catholic Church, the Mennonites, you know, over these, these issues. Yeah, they, you know, Same thing with clothing and things of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Suits. Right. Oh yes, we used to have to dress up. So in the, I know it's a, it's an issue locally for the Amish uh, right now. Some of the uh, some of the elders will say that you can you can drive uh, vehicles that are work related, but you can't have a personal vehicle. Mm -hmm. And some of the some of the churches Amish churches say that. You can't have any personal vehicle or work vehicle. The other big thing is the internet and being able to do business. Right. Versus. They need, right. They need a telephone and they need electricity <laughs> to do the computers. Yeah. So there's a big struggle in the Amish community on that too. Mm -hmm. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, but to your point, Don, it's it's uh, smaller issues that have been blowing up and mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the the the. The main doctrines are much clearer than some of the minor doctrines. Um, it divides churches. It divides churches. It divides Christians. Uh, another willingness to obey part of that, it, uh, another, is people. I think he put there the, the church. So your community group, if you're in a discipleship group, if, you, you know, if, you're, a, if you're a Lone Ranger Christian and doesn't have any fellowship, uh, you're missing out on, on uh, one of the graces of God, the, the people speaking into your life about God's truth and God's word. Uh, so uh, an, another one is seeking the help of the Holy Spirit. Do I approach God's word prayerfully asking for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's help to understand, or do I do it in my own strength? Oh, wow. Not anymore by my own strength. Yeah. What, since I've learned what the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, not anymore. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that that's a, a huge uh, way of getting forward in our understanding and growth is depend on the Holy Spirit who inspired the Word in the first place. It's His Word, in in a sense. Uh, humble recognition that our understanding is imperfect. Is my response to a lack of understanding of the Bible frustration or in the Bible frustration or trust? Uh, do I acknowledge my sin in my approach to Scripture? So humility. You know, I, 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 I'm coming at it, as Mark said at the beginning, maybe I've got a certain bias or a certain agenda or there's things I want to avoid. So starting off, study of Scripture with humility, saying, Lord, you know my heart. Uh, you know I'm, I'm maybe rebellious in some ways or I don't want to deal with issues like head coverings. And so help me to... Uh, help me to uh, understand what you want and may I obey it what you want so very good um, those are great personal questions that he came up with and love those um, man our understanding, but other people's understanding is imperfect. We need to show grace to one another. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Because we're going to have differences in how we understand things. Absolutely. Amen. That's that's wonderful. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't that be neat if we approach people with that mindset that they're on they're on a journey. They're they're imperfect just like I am. They 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 need grace just as much as I do. And uh, let's let's work through this together. And humility, um, but go to the Word together. Yeah. 
Uh, the, there's some great, uh, I don't know, if, if, if you don't have anything else that you want to talk about, there's, there's so much good, good stuff in here. Um, I had one more thing. Yeah, please. Um, on page 124, it's just about, it's right under, uh, it's one of the criticisms. Yeah. Uh, objections to the clarity of scripture. It says, um, it's like the third paragraph down. It says, um, such a denial that the meaning of Scripture can be known is ultimately an attack on the character of God. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, under postmodernism, yeah. is that where you're at? Yeah, postmodern hermeneutics. Yeah, there's, so there's no objective perspective that people bring to interpreting the Bible. Every, every, every attempt to say we're objective is, is false because none of us are objective. We're all bringing our own biases, our own, our own, our pre-understandings and presuppositions is, uh, to the text, and so uh, it's any any kind of a statement that there's truth is absolutely false. Is is and so you're you know what he said there. If you believe that, um, what you, what you quoted there, um, I'm trying to find it. So the, the second paragraph underneath. Okay, an attack on the character of God. It sure is. Because, I mean, it's, you're basically saying there is no, no, no truth, there's no God, you, you don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a broken uh, criticism. I agree. But I think, you know, there's a number of things that uh, are presented particularly on television by TV preachers that are just false. <laughs> and, and that's what's generally observed by other people yeah. and, and they carry away all kinds of strange ideas and partly the rejection of Christianity of people is based on rejecting a lot of falseness that they don't even understand what Christianity amounts to you don't get some special blessing from a brick you buy from some TV preacher <laughs> Amen uh, uh, and so the, the biggest obstacle to the gospel is me. Is <laughs> preachers. Yeah, if, we, if the preachers would get out of the way and people would just study their Bible, it would be great. Uh, but you're right, Mark. That's people, ob objections arise from real things that can be criticized. When you think about the fact that when they had, that, had to have that Jerusalem council, Paul had to stand up all by himself, even against Peter and James, over the notion of, of not having to um, have those Gentile believers circumcised. It's like one guy kept the whole church on track at that point. One guy. But he was right. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. It's, it's well, the Spirit of God was working through him. He knew the truth. Praise God. He fought. <laughs> well, you know what God had to do with Peter to make him even go eat with Gentiles. Oh, yes. Gave him the dream. I mean, or the tax collector. Can you imagine? Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was confirmation. It was like God spoke to Peter right there. It's this is what's right. This is what's going to happen. This is what you know. And, Amen. It's reassuring, though, that God will he wants you to do step something. in. He's going to lay it out for <laughs> to help you learn. Yeah. <laughs> mm, definitely. Amen. Whether you want to or not. <laughs> it's backing up just a little bit, but I'm thinking, going back to 
uh, what Don was saying about the rules and the regulations and the divisions and the head coverings and the non-head coverings and all the, and I, I guess keep going back to that we are taken out of the, out of bondage, bondage to the law and into freedom, and that the whole, it, it can all be summed up in loving God and loving people, and then, I'm, and then I went a minute ago, all things are lawful, are, I can do anything, I have a right to do anything, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, but are all things beneficial? And so we got these laws and these regulations and these rules that we divide over, churches divide over what color the carpet is, for crying out loud. And we're, we're not under these rules and regulations. Yes, we're slaves to Christ, but in that being a slave to Christ, there's so much freedom. Yes. We have freedom in Christ when we make ourselves a slave to Christ. And that's a paradox. To sum it up, though, love God, love people. Mm -hmm. The great commandment and love is the fulfillment of the law. Mm -hmm. Romans 13, 10. And then he says, if you don't hate your mom and your dad, mm, more than me. Yeah, but didn't you? And so it, it's, it's so there's 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 hard sayings in the Bible <laughs> that that are understandable if we take the time to the time the effort the uh, the uh, willingness to obey seeking help of the Holy Spirit ordinary means hard sayings that are understandable that's a big point in his is teaching us tonight in this doctrine uh, I did want to highlight. Uh, at uh, page 132, the first question there, because this, this is pertaining to what uh, Don is talking about and, and uh, others have brought up. Number one, the question is for personal application. Let's, let's try to answer this. And uh, if the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture is true, why does there seem to be so much disagreement among Christians about the teaching of the Bible? Observing the diversity of interpretations of Scripture, some conclude... People can make the Bible say anything they want. How do you think Jesus would respond to this statement? That the uh, people can say the Bible, can make the Bible say anything they want. How do you think Jesus would respond to this statement? I would say that he's, he would say that we're trying to change Scripture. We're not. Oh, yeah. We're, we are... Um, <coughs> We're altering, altering it for our own gratification. Change scripture. We are <laughs> are trying. Okay, so that that's one option. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the idea that uh, people can make the Bible say anything they want. We're trying to change the 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 obvious meaning of scripture, perhaps. I mean, would uh, Jesus Christ say? Um, what would I mean? What does God's word say? I mean, basically asking them. You know, if you're trying to change it, then asking them, what does God's word say? Yeah, that's where I was. Our, Jesus would want to get to the motive, and he might say to them, "Do you want to make the Bible say what you want it to say, or do you want to understand what the Bible says?" Right. Absolutely. Are you trying to make uh, uh, 
have God respond to you as a human, or are you responding to God? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you, are you, okay, so are you responding to God? Are, are, are they seeking truth? Are you responding well, to God, or are, are you trying to make God be you, <laughs> be like you? Are, okay. Are, are you trying to be God? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Or do you want to be God? <laughs> Preachers do that though. They'll have an idea or an agenda, and then they'll look for text, te uh, proof texts to basically promote what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been in churches that did that. Say or sell. Right. So I, that's that's uh, like that's why I try to preach through a book of the Bible. So I'm forced to deal with the text instead of my own mm -hmm. my own hobby horses. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I'm I'm a sinner that way. Yeah. Sometimes he he uh, said the statement, "You're not understanding the scriptures if you look at a woman with adultery as sin." It's about the heart. Right. He always he always well not always but sometimes he went deeper with to get us. He was very loving in that. Sometimes he gave, he gave us a deeper meaning. Amen. He sure did. Um, so people can make the Bible say anything they want. Um, uh, and, and you might say, well, because people are trying to change Scripture into what they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, add that into... Well, Satan was a prime example of that. He could, he, he could recite Bible Scripture, but he would twist or just change certain little words in there that would totally change the context of... Well, that's actually meant for that. For sure, yeah. Throw yourself down off the temple and he'll, the angels will catch you. <laughs> I mean, that's why we get tired. So I'll be reading scripture thinking, I don't, I don't say it out loud and maybe I don't think it, but uh, it's there. What do I wish this said or what do I want this to say? And I look for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hoping sure. I can find it. So yeah, maybe that's okay, maybe it's not. So the people that are uh, in disagreement, Christians that... Why does there seem to be so much disagreement among Christians? We want it to say what we want it to say. Yeah. yeah. Do we have that up there already? Kind of. Uh, about um, we want it to say, we want to say what we think it should say. Or, you know, <laughs> be our truth. Something more comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. Be our truth. <laughs> we want it to say what we... We want it to say what we want it to say. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a bad habit if I just open my Bible and be like, all right, now you're going to give me a word at first. And I'd read it, and I'm like, I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> I had to do it 38 times until I found what I wanted. <laughs> but if I had taken the time, maybe that was the verse he implemented me to read. But if I take the time to study it in the full context, I would have gotten maybe something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> he said, Judas, uh, open up, go hang yourself, and go and do likewise. <laughs> I'm going to the next one. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, let's see, if we can, people make the Bible say what they want, Jesus would respond by saying, you're trying to be God by, by making it, like, so there's divisions, maybe, maybe you're trying to be uh, in authority, uh, your, your motives, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. Jesus like, well, you're not listening to the Bible because of your heart, your motives, or you're twisting it because of what you want. Uh, 
like their beliefs and what they, you know, how they want to believe it. You know, they want you to believe it the way you, they, you want everybody else to believe it the same way you believe it. Yeah. Grudem, uh, on the previous page, 129, uh, he's got, he's got, it, there's two, two places where he kind of answers this. And on, on page 120, um, we, we're, we're sinners, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so sin plays in here. We want what we want. What's your motive? What's your heart? We, we are, are people, Christians disagree because we're, 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 we're finite, we're, we're finite. We don't have clear understanding, so we're maybe coming at it from two different perspectives, and we're not taking the time to listen to one another or be gracious to one another. That, that's the reason why Christians are so in such disagreement about certain doctrines. We're, we, we, we come at it as if we are know-it-alls and we're prideful and we're arrogant instead of saying, hey, I, I probably have a limited understanding here, and you probably do too. Let's work on it together. We don't have that heart or that spirit. And then there's some people that willfully misunderstand and distort, distort Scripture. That's on page 120 as well. People, there are some people that are like Satan. <laughs> who's, uh, will, wolves yeah, wolves in sheep clothing. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, what they want, their, their presuppositions are biased, how they want to use people and abuse people. So they're using Scripture as a... Uh, wrongfully, yeah. Or they're making it more generic and more acceptable to the way society is. Now. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Making it, yeah, it's it's not truth anymore. It's something else. Um, on page one twenty nine, uh, he, he he answers the question in a little bit different way. The existence of number four on page 129, when Christians disagree, the fault is not with the Bible. <laughs> okay? <Yes. laughs> okay, we start there. The existence of many disagreements about the meaning of Scripture throughout history reminds us that the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture does not imply or suggest that all believers will agree on all the teaching of Scripture. We won't. Okay? That's, we just have to address or be okay with that. Nevertheless, it does tell us something very important, that the problem always lies not with Scripture, but with ourselves. <laughs> the situation is, in fact, very similar to that of the authority of Scripture, and we talked about with, that, with art and truth and stuff like that. Whereas we affirm the words of Scripture have all the authority of God Himself, we also realize that many people do not acknowledge that authority or submit themselves to it. Okay, so in the next paragraph, the doctrine and the clarity of Scripture, therefore, is a very important ultimate ultimately a very encouraging practical implication. It tells us that where there are areas of doctrinal or ethical disagreement, for example, over baptism or predestination or church government, there are only two possible causes for these disagreements. And I love how he summarized this. On the one hand, it may be that we are seeking to make affirmation where Scripture itself is silent. <sighs> where, where, did, did Scripture really say that, or do I really want it to say that? Or my denomination wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that we wanted to say what we wanted to say, just as Don said and others said. Okay. And number two, on the other hand, is it possible that we have made mistakes in our interpretation of Scripture? Yes. It really creates problems for me in light of my background because the whole Mennonite movement in the Reformation, they were Anabaptists. They were against infant baptism. Right. I don't know that I'm against infant baptism. Uh, 
Um, I don't see any harm in that, but I see a lot of a lot more good in, in a believer's baptism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'd start a new denomination or break from the church over whether somebody wants to baptize their kids or not. There we go. So that's a great illustration of what was the historical setting when the Anabaptists arose. What was what was the situation they were in that caused that that counter, you know, that pushback, and why was there such a battle? Yeah. Uh, these Roman okay <laughs> the reformation the roman catholic church it, was it an appropriate response or was it was it a sinful response or was it a prideful or i wanted to say what i wanted to say those kind of questions are huge yeah were, were there good reasons I, I think there were but yeah so i i really like how so if that question comes up you've got a great resource in this book if people say why do christians always disagree about certain things you can say, well, here, 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 and here. Mm -hmm. But our job is to seek to understand what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. right? And, and we get that through time and effort and ordinary means and praying to the Holy Spirit for help. And, right? <laughs> so a great chapter once you, you get into it. And there's so much we didn't cover tonight, but thank you so much for, uh, for braving the storm, braving the blizzard of 2022. You did it. I'm really impressed. Uh, so, does anybody know that song, Ancient Words, on page 136? I, I know the tune. I've heard it, but to lead it out, I, we don't have... Somebody have a... Yeah, I, so anyway, that's a, great, uh, that's a great song if you want to just read the words. But since we don't have a worship leader here tonight, I think I will not put this on recording. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Father, we are grateful for uh, your ancient words, uh, your holy words long preserved, uh, words of life, words of hope. We're thankful for the holy words of our faith. Uh, Lord God, these ancient words are ever true. They are changing us. Uh, we, we praise you, Lord. We thank you for this gift of revelation, this gift of, of, of uh, giving us your, who you are, telling us who you are and your character and what you're about and your truth and, and calling us how to live ethically and morally in, in your ways, Lord. Thank you for the revelation of your word. And Lord, we do ask for the grace, Lord, to be diligent to know your word and to apply your word. And Holy Spirit, we do pray for your power in our life and your, your help in our life in understanding it and, and, and making it uh, and clear to us, Lord. Uh, please, uh, Lord, uh, help us to be a, a church that is uh, really built on the word. <laughs> Lord God, help us to have a passion, as some of the examples we heard about tonight, of passion, passionately seeking out your word and seeking out your truth and trying to understand what you have given us in your word. Uh, bless us, Lord. And uh, yeah, Lord, we this next week as we look at the, the next few aspects of this uh, understanding the doctrine of the Word of God, we, we pray that we could really, uh, these last two chapters, we could tie it, tie it bring it home and, and really uh, and, and go deeper in our understanding of your Word. So bless us and bless those who couldn't be with us tonight, but uh, we, we turn our lives over to you and ask us, give us a good night's sleep, Lord, and help us wake up tomorrow to serve you better and better for your glory, for your honor and fame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people 
And right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.